0: All right, well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Really grateful that, uh, that you're here. Thanks to all of you joining us online. Thanks to those of you in our video venue this morning. Thank you for, uh, for joining us in all those ways. <clears throat> We're actually gonna be all over the scriptures today, but I'm gonna start in Hebrews chapter one, verses one to three. And if you need a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you, it's Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. We're in a short topical series called You Asked For It. Last spring, we, uh, we did a survey of the, of the people and asked them to tell us what, what questions they have that they would love to hear asked and answered out loud on Sunday. And so uh, last week, we talked about the reliability of the scripture. The question last week was, is the scripture we have in our hand reliable? Uh, The answer to the question was yes, but there's 35 minutes of other stuff that uh, you should go watch if you missed it. And then today we're going to talk, we're going to answer the question, does God speak audibly today? Does God speak audibly today? So we'll start here in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. I'm going to get you to stand up as we read God's word And if you're our guest, we say this phrase, um, the very words, at the end of the main text reading, Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You could be seated. That couple of verses is going to be kind of our launching pad this morning. For answering the question, does God speak to us audibly uh, today? And I wanted to start there because I want you to be fixated on Jesus when we talk about how God speaks. Uh, what we learn from the writer of Hebrews here in Hebrews chapter 1 is that he speaks to us through Jesus. Now, that's interesting because in this, this just little section of scripture, we find out. Uh, that he's spoken to the people in lots of ways through prophets uh, in the past, but now he's speaking to us through Jesus, his son. So what changed? Well, really nothing changed. It's, the writer tells us that Jesus was there in the beginning when God spoke the word, word and creation happened. It was all created through him. Uh, when, when the prophets were given the word, uh, it all pointed to him. When uh, he walked the planet, he was the word of God on earth. John said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word uh, was with God, is God, and the word was with God. He is the focal point of God speaking. And that's, that's where I want us to really fix our eyes this morning. But I do want to walk through just several observations I'd make from the scriptures To help you understand the answer to the question, does God speak audibly today? So, observation number one would be this. God has, does, and will speak audibly. God has, does, and will speak audibly. So, let's look at that for just a minute. According to the scripture, God has spoken in an audible voice hundreds of times as recorded. And and I I just want to give you a few examples In Exodus chapter 3, 14 to 15, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. So this is this burning bush moment that Moses has in the wilderness. He comes upon a bush burning. Uh, A voice comes from the bush and says, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. He tells Moses to go get his people in Egypt. This is a purpose of God moment. It's a covenant moment, it's a big, big moment. And Moses said, I I can't really talk. And he says, you're gonna go, you're gonna take your brother Aaron, you go in my name. Moses says, "Who, who should I say, send me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you, this is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So what we have in the scripture is a miraculous burning bush moment with the booming, audible voice of God speaking to a man, telling him what to do to accomplish the purposes of God. Uh, I have never experienced anything like that, but it 's there it 's real. Uh, Matthew. New Testament, Matthew chapter 3, 16 to 17. This is when Jesus was baptized by John. It says, and when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So here we have just on the north side of the the salt sea where the, the Jordan River comes into the salt sea. Jesus being baptized by John the baptizer. And when it happens, it says the spirit descends on that moment and there is an audible voice that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He, the father is vouching for the son. Uh, it's, it's audible, it's loud. This is obviously a big moment. This is the purpose of God to reveal his son and all creation. And we're still thinking about this audible voice moment today. In Acts chapter nine, verse three to six, Paul heard the audible voice of God. It says, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. He's on the road to Damascus. Guess what he's going there to do? He's going there to find Christians. He's a Jewish guy, Jew of all Jew, zealous for the the law. He's going there to find Christians, people who follow Jesus, round them up, chain them up, bring them back to Jerusalem, to the temple so that they might face uh, legal consequences. And it says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So Paul's testimony, the Apostle Paul, is that he heard the audible voice of Jesus on the road to Damascus telling him what he should do next. This was a salvation moment for Paul. It changed everything. These are three. There are hundreds of accounts in Scripture where God speaks audibly. But you have to remember that scripture from cover to cover covers about a 4,000-year period of history. And so when we say that God speaks audibly in 4,000 years, his, his audible speaking is the exception over 4,000 years. It happens, but it is the exception, and it's always to further his purposes in a big way. I mean, always. And so this is the first observation. God has, he does, and he will speak audibly. There's no reason why he would not speak audibly even uh, today. According to the scripture toward the, 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 the book of Revelation, the end, there's definitely going to be this audible voice of God. Um, he does, he will, he has spoken audibly. It's my opinion that the audible voice of God would be unmistakable you would know in your knower. That's God. Um, I have never heard the audible voice of God. Nev, never. I've never, heard the, I've never had this moment in my life that is like, Brian, you will now. You know, I've, I've never had that. That doesn't mean it couldn't happen. It doesn't mean it's not happened to some of you. But I have never had that, that experience personally. But what I read in the scriptures is that God has, does, and will speak audibly. Here's the second observation that I will make. Even though that's the exception, and it's powerful when it happens, the the, the, the norm is that God speaks through his word by his spirit. That is the norm. God speaks through his word by his spirit. So Again, these are not, uh, you're, you're not going to be surprised by these two uh, two subpoints. But, but when we say that he speaks through his word, that is simply the Bible. I read this scripture last week. I'll read it again here, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. In other words, this word is a living document. We talked last week how reliable it is. It's a living document. It's the very words of God. That's actually why we stand up and say that when we read his word, because this is him speaking to us. And this is the, the normative, even in the context of Scripture, when you hear Jesus talk about what God said, it's always from uh, the Old Testament, the Word of God. He, he, it is normative that he would speak through the Bible. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And It is the Word of God that is the, the voice of God that, that, that lights our path, that tells us where to step next, that gives us direction, helps us know what to do. So God speaks through his word, but also by, by his spirit through his word. He also speaks by his spirit through impressions, convictions, and discerning thoughts. Now, this is where it gets a little bit more ethereal, impressions, convictions, discerning thoughts. Anybody ever uh, seen a Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge? You, you tracking with me? All right. Remember that part? where he's like, not sure if he's seeing ghosts or if he ate a a little bit of bad beef. Do you remember he says like, maybe this is where it gets a little bit ethereal because people's minds uh, do funny things all the time. But you can discern the, 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 the voice of God in impressions, convictions, and discerning thoughts in a person's life. How do we know this? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there is this process going on in every believer that is sanctification, the transformation of one's mind. You should be, coming, be uh, growing and maturing and becoming more like Christ each and every day. And that sanctification uh, actually opens your mind to, to the work of the Holy Spirit. He gives you impressions, discerning thoughts, wisdom, conviction, guidance, counsel. In fact, it, it was Jesus that said, it would be better for you if I go because I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and, and, and he is... Gonna uh, through you accomplish so many things, but but the things we know from the scriptures that he comforts, he counsels, he convicts, he gives boldness, he grants strength for humility, etc. We can hear the voice of God through impressions, discerning thoughts, and convictions. Now, I, I want to give you an example. Again, I've never heard uh, the audible voice of God, but I've definitely. Definitely heard God through impressions, convictions, and discerning thoughts. I've told this story before, so if you've been here a while, forgive me. But it's one of the most impactful uh, moments in my life in this particular category of impressions and convictions. Um, and it goes—it goes back 13 years uh, when I was a younger man with brown hair, no glasses. <clears throat> Ansel and I were trying to discern whether we should leave our church in Katy, which we loved, we didn't want to leave, and come here to, uh, to Bay Area. And uh, it's, that's a hard call. That's a hard decision. You really, you, you really, in that moment, you're kind of wishing you were a Methodist or something where they just move you around every once in a while. Or, so you just know, you go there, go there. But in, in this world, it's like, you got to discern like the Word of the Lord, what does He want and and I at least feel responsible not to make a mistake in that, not to step the wrong uh direction, and so we were agonizing over this decision to make a long story short, and I went away on uh sabbatical. <clears throat> I had been talking to this church and talked they had a a search committee. And we've been talking actually for weeks, and uh, I kept like giving them every reason why I should not be your pastor. This, 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 this. They gave me an application. Have you ever drank beer? Yes. You ever smoked? No. But if it will get me out of this, I'll say yes. Uh, you know, whatever I have to uh, say. I was just giving them every reason I possibly possibly could, and uh, it just kept. It just kept progressing. And so I went on sabbatical. They didn't know where I was going. I told them, I'll be back in a couple weeks. I just need time to pray. And I went to, uh, I went to Egypt to train to do um, the tours that I do in Israel to do that in Egypt. And so I was with a small group of uh, people, and we, we hiked out into the Sinai and up into uh, this place called Rephidim, which is talked about in Exodus chapter 17. And at Rephidim, this is the place where in the valley below, the Amalekites attacked Israel uh, from from the, the backside. And, um, you know, when you're talking about, like, marching hundreds of thousands of people through the wilderness in a big wadi, uh, who's, in the, who's in the end of the line? Well, it's the weakest, the sickest, the oldest, the most dehydrated. They're the ones in the back of the line. It's, God gets really mad that that the Amalekites in fact he's, he, they're the only people I know of that he says I'm going to blot you out of history right he gets really mad that that they cut him off at the tail so he he has Joshua fight them and Moses goes up on this mountain at Rephidim and and he's holding up his arms and whenever whenever he holds up his arms uh, they're winning the battle, but as soon as his arms fall down, it, it's like they start losing the battle, according to the text. And so Aaron and Hur come alongside him, and they hold his arms up, because he can't hold his arms up anymore. And uh, at, at the end of that narrative, Joshua w- wins the battle below, and they build an altar at the top of Rephidim called, The Lord is My Banner. And um, I, was, I was there, at the top of Rephidim, thinking about that particular altar, and also thinking about this, this church, which is odd to be in the middle of the Sinai, thinking about some church in League City that you've never been to, really. And um, I was struggling with giving up some things um, where I was, some things that I thought were important. And um, the Lord reminded me in that moment at Rephidim, like, look, these things, they're not your banner. The Lord is your banner. You just need to fix your eyes on him and raise that banner. He didn't say, like, go to Bay Area, go, you know, leave the land that you love, the land of your fathers, and none of that. <clears throat> it was just like, the Lord is, is I'm your banner, you know? lead with that. That's all I got. So I went home. I still didn't know what to do. Angela and I talked about it. Honestly, there was tension. <laughs> like, yes, no. I finally got mad. They had this blue notebook. I threw it in the trash. Like, I'm not going there. And um, she dug it out of the trash and put it back on the counter. I was like... Whoa. And... uh Anyway, I to make, trying to make a long story short. I went back to work after all that, and I emailed the ch- search, the, the chairman, of the search team, who was uh, Mike Pyburn at the time. And I was like, "Hey, tell me what's going on over there. That is just like unmistakably God. You've told me all the data. I get, I see what's happening statistically. Tell me, tell me what's unmistakably God." And he sent this long email of. Um, it was a long email. There's one line <laughs> that I want to share with you. He gets through the email, and uh, I'm not convinced. like two-thirds down the email. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> he gets to the, to the bottom of it, and uh, the email says uh, you know, something like, we've been praying while you've been gone, as you've been praying. And then it says this, the situation is critical, but the opportunity is right. The people are ready uh, for a banner if only someone will raise it. And I didn't hear like, Brian. <laughs> but I had a deep conviction, a deep impression from the Holy Spirit who made my feet walk 7,000 miles from here in the middle of the wilderness to just learn He's my banner, so I could hear an email. I wouldn't have heard this otherwise. He can speak through conviction, through impression, um, through discerning thoughts, through other people that walk in the Spirit, that are guided by the truth of his word. He can speak, and he does on occasion, this is kind of the third way that he speaks. So it's the Bible and, and the, the Holy Spirit through convictions and impressions. But on occasion, he speaks by special outpourings of the Holy Spirit, which Baptists in general are very uncomfortable with. Mostly we'd like the Trinity to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. We could leave the Holy Spirit for heaven. And you know that's where a lot of people are. But it's very clear in the context of Scripture that on occasion he speaks by special outpourings of the spirit. Peter said in Acts chapter 2 16 to 21 quoting the prophet uh, Joel. This is right after like the disciples had the holy spirit descend on them. They're speaking in tongues and everybody's hearing them in their own language and they're like these guys are drunk. What in the world? And then it says this, but that this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter's just quoting what Joel prophesied hundreds of years before and saying, hey, this is the moment that Jesus has ascended and he has sent his Holy Spirit. And now uh, all of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming. And sometimes it did happen in a big way there. And it happens in new and refreshing ways through revivals in the world in the course of history. And we pray uh, for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this country, in this nation. We pray that God will speak and move like that among our people. On occasion, he speaks by special outpourings of the Holy Spirit. So God does speak audibly. He did speak audibly. He will speak audibly. That's the exception. Mostly, he speaks through his word, by his spirit. He gives us, as we, as we ground ourselves on the word, he gives us uh, impressions, convictions, counsel by his spirit. The more you're in the word, the more you can hear the Holy Spirit. That's just the way it is. I, 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 don't, I don't know any way around uh, that. The more you're in the word, the more you hear the Holy Spirit. So here's the third observation that I'd like to make around this question. We sometimes make mistakes when it comes to hearing God. We sometimes make mistakes when it comes to hearing God. Now, let me just list some of those mistakes as a way of warning for us. First, always waiting for a big audible voice moment, a dream, a special outpouring, a burning bush. Like some people are waiting to live their faith for that Red Sea moment, they're waiting for that burning bush. They're waiting for God to, to pipe down from heaven and say, Brian, it's time. And that would be a mistake to wait to exercise your faith People that are always waiting for a big, audible voice moment, a dream, or a special outpouring, they miss the day-to-day walk with God, where I trust Him just enough for the day, and then I, I, I move again the next day. And all of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that comes in those little moments of faithfulness, don't get stuck waiting for a big, audible voice moment, a dream, or a special outpouring. Um, We sometimes make that mistake. We're just waiting for that and we miss a lot. My experience is with God, my experience is that God speaks loudly, quietly. He speaks loudly, quietly more often than not. There's a good example from 1 Kings chapter 19, 11 to 12. This is Elijah. After Elijah's defeated 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, after he's been under a broom tree you know, just about depressed out of his mind. And the Lord just ministered to him there. And then he's traveled all the way to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And he wants to meet with God <clears throat> like Moses did. And it says in verse, 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12, and he said, God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And that was the voice of the Lord. The sound of a low whisper. I mean, if you think about that phrase, it literally translates in Hebrew, the sound of thin silence. That's what the voice of the Lord was like. You would have expected the voice of the Lord to be booming in the earthquake or the fire or the wind, but no, it's in the the sound of thin silence, this low whisper where you have to lean in to hear the voice. But when he speaks loudly, often it's quietly like this. So don't always be waiting for a big audible voice moment, a dream or a special outpouring. Lean into God every day and listen for the whisper. This is how he speaks most often. Here's the second mistake we make when it comes to the voice of God. Using the voice of God as the trump card, like God told me, God told me. I would just warn you and say, be very careful with those words. Some people say that way too much. God told me. God told me. God told me. You have to be really careful. How do you argue with that? If I'm sitting with someone and they say to me, God told me, and I disagree with everything they're saying, do I just go with them because God told them? What if God told me something different than he's telling you? How do, we, how do we discern that? How do we wrestle that out, right? How do, how do you know God told you? How do you know? Well, here's how you know that God's telling you something. The voice of God will never, ever contradict the word of God, and it always is to fulfill his purposes. The voice of God will never contradict the word of God, and it is always to fulfill his purposes. When I hear people in our society today say, God told me, typically it's an excuse to do something they want to do and be covered by religiosity. Be careful with those words. Make sure if you think God is telling you something that it does not contradict his word and it is for his purposes. And there's no amount of manipulation in your heart to say, well, this could be used for his purpose. Maybe. So I'm going to do this because it benefits me because God told me to do it, right? Make sure because it never contradicts his word, his voice. We make a mistake when we use the voice of God as a trump card. God told me. God told me. God told me. Here's the third thing. We make a mistake when we mistake another spirit for the voice of God. Sometimes we mistake other voices <laughs> for the voice of God. I can mistake my own voice for the voice of God. How would I discern that? Typically, my own voice when I'm when I'm not walking a step of the Spirit. When I'm just listening to what's in my own head, typically my own voice will be self-serving and focus on the purposes of Brian. That's how I know. If you want to discern the voice of God, you have to hear in light of the purposes of God. So we have to make sure that we are not listening to our own inner voice, our own, our own thoughts that are self preserving maybe, that, that, that exalt self, that glorify self. Be careful about listening to your own voice and thinking, oh, that's the voice of God. It's not. Uh, second voice that sometimes we hear and is a mistake to listen to is sometimes we listen to you instead of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we will listen to the whispers of demonic spirits. I don't know what you believe about that or what you don't believe about that, but I'm telling you as a pastor of 26 years, demonic spirits are crafty and they're real, and they lie and tell half-truths. And that's, that's their best game. The movies make them out to be like, Aah! it's not like that. It's lies and half-truths and getting you to do something That you know isn't exactly right, but getting you to justifying you justifying it in a way that'll help you take that step. Uh, Demonic spirits—they always whisper lies, half truths, and they manipulate and they they mask the purposes of the enemy. So if you remember the enemy, Satan, Jesus said of of him in John ten that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So if I'm listening to another spirit, and the spirit is, 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 is trying to work some purpose in my life, I have to ask myself the question, uh, is, this, is this toxic? Like, does it, does it cause hurt, angst? Is it rooted in stealing, killing, destroying? Right? Think about all the destroyed families, the destroyed marriages, the destroyed people in our world today. A lot of that has to do with listening to demonic spirits, half-truths, and lies. Right? So between ourself and those spirits, sometimes we can get really confused. And oh, by the way, if there's confusion, it's from the enemy, typical. Typically, right? So then the Holy Spirit. If we make mistakes by listening to our own spirit or demonic spirits, how would we discern the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit, again, the Holy Spirit always is moving us toward the purposes of God. He's never, ever, ever going to contradict the word of God, and he's always going to move our feet in a direction toward the purposes of God. Um, you ever felt the Holy Spirit nudge you, and you knew, like, I have a choice here. I can It happened to me. Uh, we had volleyball tournament on the other side of town this week with our girls, or Eden. And uh, I'm sitting and we stopped at Waterburger was late, and uh, I'm on the other side, and my two girls are like watching over my shoulder, this, just like fixated on somebody. Angela and Eden. I'm like, what in the world? I look over and there's this homeless guy He's definitely like um, something not not right about it. And what I mean by that is not just like he's got a mental health issue, but like he's doing Zodiac stuff and weird sort of witchcraft stuff. And I uh, it wasn't sort of, it was witchcraft stuff. And so I just wanted to eat. Can I be off the clock? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I just want to eat. I got, I mean, I never eat a cheeseburger from Whataburger. I want want to eat. So I'm just like, I see it. and I see what's going on. I'm like, "Mm." and the Holy Spirit is just, you know, like, you need to go talk to that brother. And I'm like, "Mm." I just want to eat, man. Like. Other Christians have to be around somewhere <laughs> here, but it just wanted to go away, and so I went to uh, throw the stuff away, and I sat down with them. They told me stories like so many other people have told me in the past. Half of it was true. Half of it was lies, and um, wanted me to do something for him that I couldn't do, uh, but I said, hey, uh, if you're hungry, I'll buy you f- food. You know, we could definitely do that. So we get him some food and we sit down and uh, I was like, but I just want to pray with you before. And uh, he grabs my hands like this. And so we're holding hands and his hands are just shaking like this. And he starts praying and it's it's a mixture of the Bible and demonic things. Then I, I don't want to speak here. It's very clearly like this man. this man has a demonic issue, he probably has a mental health issue he probably has a drug issue so there's definitely some demonic stuff going on and so he, he's, he's praying, he's wanting to monopolize the prayer time <laughs> you know, I'm like this is... so I'm, I'm holding his hands and he gets done and he wants to grab his burger and I, and I pull his hands back and his hands just stop he stopped like doing this thing then I just prayed in the name of Jesus, would you free this man from every bondage? Would you let him see you, Jesus? Like, wake him up tonight. Let him see you. However he needs to, let him see you. He just starts crying. I don't know what the Lord did in his heart. I did not lead him to Christ over that. What did he want? Like, some sweet cheese, bacon. It was, looked good. But whatever, the Holy Spirit did something. It was obvious, you know? And I, I had that nudge and I didn't, I didn't want... But how did I know it was the Holy Spirit? I'm not getting anything out of that. This is the Holy Spirit nudging me toward a person that I'll never see again in my life, probably. Things like that. That's how you know that's the Spirit of God speaking to you because it's to accomplish His purpose to exalt Jesus, to shine light in the darkness. It's never going to be self-exalting. It's not going to be uh, about you ever. It's always about Jesus, which is why we started with Hebrews chapter 1 that says, long ago and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom... Also, he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And when he did that, he sent us the Spirit. And we need to walk in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God never contradicts the Word of God, ever, 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 ever. Here's the fourth mistake we make neglecting time reading or listening to the Word of God. Because if you neglect time reading or listening to the Word of God, you don't recognize the Spirit. It's the bottom line. So, does God speak audibly? Yes. It's the exception, it's always for His purposes. Mostly he speaks by his spirit through his word. And that's why you hear me say almost every sermon, please, please, please read the word. Read the word, because that's how you recognize the spirit. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Let's ask the Lord to speak to you. Father, we are a people who want to hear your voice. God, would you speak to us in ways that we could hear you and understand and give us the heartbeat to follow when you do speak. Father, I pray that you would give us a passion to open your word, to listen to your word, to understand what you're saying to hear what you're saying through your word and to, to follow. And when you do, when you speak audibly, God will praise. And when you speak through conviction and impression and the sound of thin silence, we'll praise. And when you speak because we opened the word and uh, read it and heard your voice, we'll, we'll praise. God, um, help us be discerning people by your spirit. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.